so such a privilege that we get to get we get to come together as a church every single Sunday because we are a united body of people who love Jesus and we are here to grow together. Come on, would you put your hands together for your neighbor? Also for how about for the dream team who's been serving all morning? It's gonna continue serving. And let's make it even louder for Jesus right now. Can we give him our best? God, we love you. Such an honor and a privilege to be in his house with you uh, this morning. And we are in week two of what we are calling the Chosen Series. And uh, I'll speak more about that in just a minute. But uh, so many people have been asking, hey, I've had uh, a lot of congratulations and excitement shared with me. And I want to share it with you guys for last week, which was our grand opening, because it was a church effort. Come on. Any of y'all gotten something heavy from Amazon before, right? Or, or a package in the mail. And it's got that little icon with two people trying to pick it up. Anybody been knucklehead like me and tried to pick it up and bring it up the stairs and you thought, my goodness, that was heavy, only to see that icon, which, is, which says this, team lift. And that's what last week was. It was a team lift. And so I want to celebrate with you uh, a little over 800 uh, people attended through three experiences. 28 first-time visiting uh, people or families, and 34 people gave their life to Jesus Christ last Sunday. Come on. That gets me so pumped, and it's always so exciting. And uh, we started this Chosen series, and I heard so much feedback from last week. Many people touched by the story I told about Dale, who's a part of our church, who gave his life to Christ in the last two years. And, and by the way, that wasn't the only big high last week. The, uh, the week leading up to it, we had what we called seven days of prayer with four nights that we gathered together in prayer. And if you were here, how amazing was that Tuesday through Friday come on it was amazing and and and, and more and more came out every single night but I want to tell you that the presence of God was very thick in this place and we really felt like um, uh, God did some some work in us and also we were asking God to dedicate the room on Tuesday night I, I, I allowed one of our members who had a word on his mind uh, about uh, uh, suffering, uh, share, and, and it actually inspired a little bit of today's message, but if you missed those, or if you were like there, and you're like, I love those, and I can't wait for the next, I've been asked this before, now that you, you guys are in a building, uh, will you have more midweek opportunities, and the answer is yes, it has always been yes, through small groups, because we're not just a church who, who, is, who has small groups, we're a church of small groups, and so we're constantly meeting, and some of you are like, that's awesome, but that, that wasn't the answer I was looking for. Let me just tell you that every first Wednesday of the month, uh, starting in November, we intend to get together on nights, kind of like what happened during that prayer week, and we're going to have a Wednesday gathering where we'll have extended worship, another message in there, and and a lot of prayer and altar ministry, all right? So if you're excited for that, I heard a few, and you want to clap, go ahead and clap. So mark your calendars. November 1st will be the first time we do that, and then every month thereafter, and we're going we're gonna to try that out for a number of months and see if this is something that blesses everybody. Also, a big date coming up is Wednesday, September 27th, is our building dedication. And so we have invited, uh, we're, 
number one, we want you invited because together, we have together built the house that the Lord's going to use um, um, in this area. And so uh, along with so many other amazing churches, please don't hear me wrong when I say that, but we want to celebrate together and we've invited our overseers as well as uh, church leaders across uh, the nation have actually said, we want to see what God's doing here at Lyft. And so on that day, we'll have a lot of visitors. I would love it if you would make plans to come out. We're going to speak declarations over the house. We're going to anoint this place. And if you were there Thursday night at prayer, you'll know we kind of already anointed this place. But this is going to be an exciting day to honor those whose hands labored, who gave, who prayed, and also just hear a word with some other key leaders in our nation. Can we, can we, we're excited about that. Would you come out? So there's a lot of excitement in the air, and I want you to know that I would be most honored if you were there, okay? And so I want to jump in to week two of The Chosen, and I want to continue on this theme, like I said, that uh, uh, one of our, our dream teamers shared at that prayer night about suffering. And, and, and I know that's not everybody's favorite topic, but as I watched uh, uh, season three, episode two of The Chosen, how many of y'all already started following along? Or how many of y'all are like, I'm already ahead of you, already seen that thing, okay? If you haven't, get the free app, The Chosen, and watch and catch up. Or it's on Netflix and Pe- or Peacock. There's a lot of different streaming apps that you can watch. I would encourage you to watch along. It's like a study guide. It's like, you're. Uh, 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 I like doing it on top of devotion. I like replacing what I'm binging at the moment for something that's going to binge to heal my soul a little bit too. And I believe we'll come out looking a little more like Jesus. But if you watch season three, episode two before this week, you'll see there were a number of powerful scenes I could have chosen. But there was one that I had to because the moment I saw this scene, I'm talking months ago, I said, we need to do another series called The Chosen, okay? So this scene I'm about to share is what inspired this whole series because he's talking, Jesus is talking about a very difficult subject in a masterful way. And, and so let me set up the scene before we watch it. And it involves Jesus and one of the disciples called James. Um, if you do a deep study the, uh, on the disciples, there's actually two disciples named James. They would call one uh, uh, James the Great because he was large, and they called one James the Lesser. If you do a Google search, you'll find out how many don't want to be called James the Lesser. You know what I mean? It's just like, hey, Drew the Lesser. The Chosen actually calls him Little James, which is actually fairly accurate. That could have happened. Um, but it was just a distinction between your big James and your little James, right? And there's not a ton told to us in the Gospels about little James other than that he was constantly present through Jesus' ministry. More is believed to have happened after, but I want you to know he wasn't like Peter, James, or John. And sometimes we have difficulty identifying with like the core people, but I need you to know there were some little James too who didn't have a lot of noteworthy things, yet they were always there. Tell your neighbor, I know you're always there. Come on, that, that, that deserves applause too. And so Jesus 
in this scene has just told his disciples, you've seen me do great things, I've done miraculous signs and wonders, now I'm going to equip you to do the same thing. And so they're like, say what now? (laughs) Because I don't feel all that special and yet you're telling me I'm going to do something special. And I wish I could have shown you that scene, but there's only so much time to share. So the scene you're about to see comes after it. And it's not a scene recorded in our Bibles, but it's plausible. Because the message behind what they discuss is all throughout our Bible, though this scene is not necessarily one that we know happened. It is believable. So I want you to lean into this, and I want to share a few thoughts after that. Watch this. Master. Little James. May I have a moment? Of course. I have wanted to ask you a question, please. You're sending us out with the ability to heal the sick and lame. Yes, that, that is what you said. Yes. So you're telling me that I have the ability to heal. <laughs> Forgive me, I just find that difficult to imagine with my condition. Which you haven't healed. Do you want to be healed? Yes, of course, if if that's possible. I think you've seen enough to know it's possible. Why haven't you? Because I trust you. What? Little James, in the Father's will, I could heal you, right now. And you'd have a good story to tell, yes? Yes, that you do miracles. That's a good story. But there are already dozens who can tell that story. And there will be hundreds more, even thousands. But think of the story that you have especially in this journey to come, if I don't heal you. To know how to proclaim that you still praise God in spite of this. To know how to focus on all that matters so much more than the body. To show people that you can be patient with your suffering here on earth because you know you'll spend eternity with no suffering. Not everyone can understand that. How many people do you think the Father and I trust this with? Hmm? Not many. But the others, they're so much more. So much more what? I don't know. Stronger? Better at this? James, I love you. But I don't want to hear that ever again. I know how easy It is to say the Song of David that I fearfully and wonderfully made, but it doesn't make this any easier. And in this group, it doesn't make me feel like any less of a burden. A burden? First of all, it is far easier to deal with your slow walking than it is to deal with Simon's temper. (laughs) 
Trust me. Are you fast? Do you look impressive when you walk? Maybe not. But these are things the father doesn't care about. You are going to do more for me than most people ever dream. So many people need healing in order to believe in me. Or they need healing because their hearts are so sick. That doesn't apply to you. And many are healed or not healed because the Father in Heaven has a plan for them which may be a mystery. And we remember what Job said. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When you pass from this earth and you meet your Father in Heaven, where Isaiah promises you will leap like a deer, your reward will be great. So hold on a little longer. And when you discover yourself finding true strength because of your weakness, and when you do great things in my name, in spite of this, the impact will last for generations. A man like you, healing others. Oh, what a sight. Remember, you will be healed. It's only a matter of time. Come on, is it that powerful? If you have a tissue, you might need to hand one to, to your neighbor. I'm telling you, that, that scene really touched me. And uh, because it's, it's, it's answering some it's beginning to start to answer some questions that a lot of us have had, like, like why are they healed and I'm not, or why do I feel inferior, or, or, or why, why do I seem off? And I love how Jesus redirects that everything that God is monitoring is on the inside of us, and that he has a perfect plan for every single one of us. And kind of like the coffee cup last week, if you were here, even if the outside isn't polished, he's doing a work on the inside that will perfectly be tailored to touch someone else. You are not a waste. He will not waste the moment. He's got a plan. And so I know suffering is not our favorite topic, but I want to talk about it today because I fear if we don't get this topic well, we won't understand God well. Uh, uh, one way that I could say it is going through a bad day doesn't mean we have a bad God. You've heard it said before that if we didn't have rainy days, we would, know, we would not know why we should appreciate the sunny ones. Uh, if, if we didn't have all the colors, we would not understand how much we're lacking when all we see is gray. So uh, I, I, I think it's almost like um, some people can approach Christianity as like, it's all up and to the right from here. It's all going to be bliss from here. But like sitting down with a young, recently engaged couple 
that I begin to do premarital counseling with, I'm preparing them to know that though it all looks up and to the right from here, though it all looks lovely and though it all looks like we're going to skip into rainbow sunny days from here on because we're about to get married, I don't want to take that from you, but a mature relationship realizes there's not just bliss, but there's commitment and there's devotion and maturity even in the dips. Can I get an amen if you know what I'm talking about? And so here's one way Pastor Chris Hodges says it that I love so much. He says, God shows up in unique ways to people who are going through bad days. And I think that's powerful. God shows up in unique ways to people who are going through bad days. And when I heard Pastor Chris share that message, I took so many notes that I have to admit, I hope you're ready to take notes that I was just like, there are so many things from this that I'd like to share. So a lot of today's message, I'm leaning on the, the wisdom that he just shared because I think he said it so well. So let's start with what Jesus said in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever told, Matthew 5, verse 4. Four. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Another word for blessed is happy. Happy are those who are sad. You almost just want to go, Jesus, I think you screwed up your words. Like, I think you're a little, like, backwards. You're speaking in riddles. He's saying, happy are those who are sad, for they will be comforted. And so he's telling us that we will have sad days, we will have down days, but God will be close in the middle of it. So this message, if you like titles, is entitled Suffering Well because I believe there's a lot in it. So let me get, jump into it and I hope you take notes. Number one, three fallacies of many people's theology. I want to share three fallacies of many people's theology. That is their, their, their grid or viewpoint of faith. All right, here's the first one. Many people think, many Christians think, we think bad things shouldn't happen to good people. We've heard this one before. We've felt this one before. We might have thought this one before. It's the sense of feeling like, God, haven't you obligated yourself not to let stuff like this happen? Like, if you're really good, how in the world are things like this happening? But I need to remind you about Hebrews chapter 11. It's a book we've studied before in previous messages or a chapter we've studied before. And it goes through the heroes of faith. I mean, it starts saying, hey, Noah, Noah was the man. Noah lived in a corrupt generation. God instructed him to build a boat which saved his family, and they were saved. Let me tell you a little bit about Moses. Come on. He might have ran into the wilderness, but then God sent him back with a message and delivered it into millions of people from bondage and slavery, and they were all saved and they lived. And you're thinking, awesome. Faith always means heroes win on paper. But then it says in verse 35, there were other heroes, there were others who were tortured, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. It's not like their faith failed. It's not like God failed. It says, yet none of them received what they had promised since God had planned something better. God had planned something better. 
that was on the other side of suffering, that was on the other side of the valley, that would free up generations, whether it would be them or their kids or generations to come. God was doing something better for us that, that only together with us would they be made perfect. And some right now might be thinking, well, that's not fair. God's not fair. And I would respond, praise God, God's not fair. Because if God was fair, you and I would have to pay the punishment for our own sin. Our own sin we'd be on the line for. And he was so not fair, substituting for my sin, covering up for my guilt and shame. And so I don't really want God to be fair, because if he was fair, I deserve to be down there. I didn't mean to rhyme it, but we all know what we're talking about, right? We don't necessarily need or want God to be fair, which leads to the second one. The three fallacies many people have of theology is number two. We think pain always means something is wrong. It really bothers me that sometimes Christians can be so quick to judgment. And we often see other people's pain as like, you're not praying enough. Well, you don't have enough faith. If you had more faith, you wouldn't have to see a counselor or a doctor. You wouldn't be taking those pills. You wouldn't be doing this, that, or the other. And we are so quick to judge. I really bothered my spirit one time. I was in a church setting at a prayer night. This was years ago. And um, uh, we had, uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about her in just a little bit. We had a 14-year-old in our youth ministry that rocked my wife and I's life. And, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that. But she was diagnosed with a terminal uh, uh, cancer, and we were praying for her, and we brought her into a healing service, and, and, and a guy who had uh, uh, led a lot of people into healing before was going to meet with her. Now, I, I, um, I had seen people get healed, so I don't want to discredit anything, but my soul was really bothered when one of the questions was, well, what sin did you commit? As a pastor, I'm just like, excuse me? She's sitting in a wheelchair. She's got faith bigger than probably all of ours. She wants to be healed, and you're asking her, what sin did you commit in order for this to happen? Now, I think what that person was trying to do is stand on 1 Corinthians 11, which says many are sick and unwell because they took communion without reflecting well, and they took it wrong. I think that's the direction he's, he was going. I hope that's the direction he's going. But I also want to be reminded that the disciples once asked, that son is jacked up. Who screwed up, the mom or the dad? And Jesus said, neither. I just wanted God to get glory in what's about to happen in the next step. And so we cannot... Hold on to this theology that when pain happens, something must be wrong. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10 in the Message Bible says this. Paul, the great apostle Paul said, So I wouldn't get a big head. I was given the gift of a handicap. Oh, what if we all relabeled our pain or our trials the gift of a handicap? That's putting it pleasantly. Thank you, Eugene Peterson, for your creative uh, translation here. Um, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. At first, I didn't think it was a gift, and I begged God to remove it, just like many of us who have suffered before, has begged God to remove it. Three times, he says, I asked God to remove it. Three times I did that. 
And his response was, my grace is enough. It's all you need. And once I heard that, I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. Come on. Another place it was said like this, praise God when you go through trials of any kind. And very few of us go through trials and go, woohoo, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> but praise God because it produces something in you that only a trial can produce in you. Something that develops into a mature Christian walk and faith. In fact, write this down. God is more interested in your character than your comfort. God is more interested in your character than your comfort. We wish he wasn't like that at times, but you agree with this too. Any of us who have children don't go in now that school started and goes, Hey, it's time to wake up. Do you want to? Do you, do you want to go to school today? We don't have to if you don't want to. I said, get up out of bed. It is time. Enough lollygagging. Come on, because I'm more interested in your character than your comfort. When they do something wrong, you don't go, if you feel like apologizing, we can think about it. But if you don't want to, we'll just let it go. No, it's like, oh, no, you're going to suffer well through this one. You're going to walk right up to that adult. <laughs> you're going to look them and go, I'm so sorry I said that. <laughs> Why? Because I'm way more interested in their character than their comfort. And God is too. And number three is the third fallacy of, of many's theology is we think we know what's best. We, we pray prayers like this. God, since you must not have heard what I said yesterday and you haven't answered that prayer yet, I'm going to pray again and remind you what's best for my life. And how many of y'all would thank God that God did not answer some of those prayers? Because I got a few of those that were like, God, I know what I'm doing, and you don't. You kind of miss it. And then you fast forward, and you go, oh, God, thank you. You are good. You are God. You are Lord, and I am not. Isaiah 55 says it this, this plan of mine is not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For just as the heavens are higher than yours, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than yours. I heard it said this way, when you go through difficult situations or hard times, when you get to heaven, ask God about it, and I promise you'll be cool with this answer. There's a number of situations where I go, God, I'm going to need to see that VHS tape again. Come on, I just aged myself a little bit. And I got some young people going, Mom, what's a VHS? It's a DVD. No, it's, a, it's an on-demand stream. And you're just like, you better pull that junk up because I need to see what you are doing, but isn't that faith? Faith says, I believe that what you're up to doesn't match up with what I think you ought to be up to, yet I trust you're up to better things, higher things, greater things. And when I get to see the playback, I'm going to go, oh, oh, that's what you were doing? I'm so sorry I doubted you for so long. That's so smart. Oh, my goodness. Who made you that smart? Never mind. Trick question. I told you a little bit about Brooke Shockley, the 14-year-old who was in our youth ministry. It truly rocked our world because we were believing that she would be healed. And then I had to speak a few years later. And I've told her story before on what God did through her suffering. But um, I had to speak at her funeral. Uh, and 
I wish I would have had this scripture because I recently saw this scripture and I shared it at another memorial earlier last week, actually at Dale's, because Isaiah 57, 1 says this, good people pass away. <clears throat> the godly often die before their time. But no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from evil to come. And we love to play God going, that wasn't the best result. I could have scripted a way better future, but we don't have insight into what could have come. Guys, we live into a dark world, I, in a dark world today. I don't have to help your imagination go to places where we could see that we can't control everything and we don't know if God wasn't doing something greater, something higher than I ever could have figured out, not to mention he used her and that sickness to reach her father who was far from God. Come on, God knows what he's doing. So if you're in a season of mourning, or if you find yourself in a season of suffering, let me give you three practical ways to go from mourning to comforted. Blessed are those who are mourning, for they will be comforted. Three practical things you can do. All comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I would encourage you to suffer, uh, uh, study that, that uh, chapter because it's kind of a suffering passage. If you don't think suffering is a part of our theology, that God should just have unicorns and rainbows everywhere, then you're not reading the whole Bible. And so there's many great men and women of the Bible who talked about their trials through it and how it developed something in them. And in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 9, it says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, a trial, but that we would rely on God who raises the dead. So number one, three, three ways to go from mourning to comforted. Number one, refocus on what's happening in me, not to me. We oftentimes just want to focus on, I can't believe this is happening to me. I can't believe I have to go through it. I can't believe my body feels this way. People are talking about me this way. Uh, my kid's acting this way. My situation is this way. But what if we refocused on what's happening in me? Like, God, I was relying on me. I was relying on my workout regimen. I was relying on what I eat. I was relying that I raised my kids up correctly. I was relying on the money always being there and now it's not. But now I am moving to relying more on God, which is what I said when I told him he could be my Lord in the first place. And so trials and tribulations have a way of shifting us back to where we should have been all along. Realizing I am man and only you are God. Only you are God. The great J.I. Packer wrote so many amazing books for the faith. Says this, felt weakness deepens dependence on Christ for strength each day. The weaker we feel, the harder we lean on him. And the harder we lean on him, the stronger we grow spiritually, even while our bodies waste away. God's way more interested in our character and what's going on on the inside of our cup than what's going on on the outside of our cup. Jesus said it well in that uh, um, uh, plausible fiction where he said, the way you walk, your gait, that doesn't bother the Father. This is of no consequence. This is not heaven-bearing. 
2 Corinthians 1 verse 10 helps us with our second one. God has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. He has delivered us. He will continue us to deliver us. He will continue to deliver us. He has delivered us. He will deliver us. He will continue to deliver us. Say that with me. He has delivered us. He will deliver us. He will continue to deliver us. So number two is remember God always delivers. When you're going through the trial and the tribulation, remember he's been good before. He is good today. He will do good again. He's on the throne. He's got a plan. Now, how many of y'all like to binge TV? Come on, I'm telling you. Listen, look, streaming services are the death of us, right? Because you find a good series and you're just like, you want to watch one, which turns into four before you go to bed way too late. And then you need a lot of that coffee with oat milk the next morning. Come on. Um, one of my Christmas presents that I, I, I got, I got this uh, vid angel uh, service, which just kind of, uh, we get to set moral uh, settings on anything we watch. So sometimes I'm just like, let's just watch whatever, because it'll filter it. It'll filter all the bad stuff out. And we recently got into Jack Ryan, number one TV series on Amazon Prime. And when we started watching these TV guys have figured it out completely, have they not? They know how to hook you so that you don't just go, well, that was good for tonight. No, you're always like, one more, one more. We got to know, how's he going to get out of this jam? He's totally going to die. He's never going to make it. Like, you're, you're just constantly like, this is it. Oh, last night we thought it was it, but tonight it's really it. He's dead. He's a dead man. There's no getting out of this one. Until you play the next episode and you're like, oh, he made it. He made it. Whew. They'll never do that to us again 30 minutes later. Oh, no, there's no way he's going to get out of this. They can't end it right here. Don't put the credits on the screen. You felt that too. You've memorized the ending sound of credits. Like, don't do that. The question is, is Jack Ryan going to die? Let me give you this truth. The best comfort for today is knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. All we had to do is look at how many seasons there are of Jack Ryan. Realize we're only in season one or season two. There's four of them. He's going to make it. He's going to make it. Like, let's just go to bed. Let's just go to bed. Somehow, someway, he's going to make it. If we just look at the end. Now, when you get to season four, you can start going, I don't know if he's going to make this. But when you're in season one or two, you can go, they got so many seasons, he's going to make it. Can I read you the end of our story? I've gone to the end of Revelations. The second to last book says this. I saw God, and now the dwelling of God is with men in a new heaven, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Come on. That is the end of our story. So if you're in season two of your own life and you're like, this season sucks, 
This episode sucks. I'm ready for the next episode of my life, the next chapter. Just remember, the end of it is already true. There's not going to be any more mourning or crying or wounds or brokenness or pain when we just hold on and remember to focus on him. He has delivered. He will deliver. He's always going to continue delivering. And then number three, 2 Corinthians 1.11 says, He will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. As you help us by your prayers. Look at your neighbor and say, as you help us. In other words, we need to rely on relationships. God uses key relationships in times of suffering. And when we get isolated, and when we get on isolated islands, and when we get by ourselves, we lose how God wants to use them to minister to us. And so this is why it's so important that today is small group Sunday. If I could implore you, if if you call me your pastor, if I could implore you to do anything, I think you need to get into a small group. And every introvert goes, I don't know if I'm going to know anybody or if I really want to do that. I don't mean to be ominous, but we're all going to go through trials and tribulations. And something that's very difficult for me is when I go visit someone in the hospital who's put no, no time or effort into making other key relationships. And they end up wishing, I wish I would have connected more, especially people of faith. And so one of the reasons that we get into small groups is because this is where we grow best together. This is where we get to know each other's names better. This is where we get into our Bibles and we begin to to. to, to dive deep into the word it is also the place we get our phones out and we say what's your number I'm going to get yours I want you to get mine what's your prayer request I'm going to set a reminder in my phone to be praying for you if you're going through a trial or a tribulation you're no longer alone God has sent me to deliver by praying for you and I know that you are going to pray for me too come on we all need somebody who's praying for us me too I have three people that I am in regular contact with that I know are praying for me daily. And I'll just let them know, I need prayer over this, I need prayer over that. You, who are those people for you? And maybe you already have them, but I really think that you need to be in a small group for your spiritual growth, for your relational growth, for the future because you can help somebody and they can help you. So today, even right now, a QR code is gonna come up. You can uh, 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 look through the list of small groups. When we dismiss, there will be small groups uh, in the aisle, uh, in the hallway, in the hall. And and I wanna encourage you, don't leave home without it, okay? Um, I stole that from a marketing slogan. (laughs) Just kinda came out. But don't leave God's home without it, okay? tried to spin it to make it work but listen you need people because they help us refocus and remember and so sign up today and I want to I want to pray for you God we thank you that you're good even when we go through bad days you are bigger than the bad times in fact you use the storms of life to comfort the disciples and we are your disciples we are your people You've done it before, you'll do it again. You're a good God. You know how to not let the storm take us out. 
And when it seems like storms took others out, we look back at Hebrews 11 and we see you were doing something all along and we're all better for it. And they received the reward of their faith and I'm going to receive it too. So Father, help us frame suffering in a different light. You're a good God. You're up to good things and we can trust you. In Jesus' name, I pray. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, actually, I first want to say this. If you're currently suffering, whether it's physically, emotionally, in your health, uh, maybe even um, socially suffering in some form or way with your family, no one's really looking around. If if that's you, would you just quickly raise your hand because I want to pray for you. I I want to pray right now. Thank you. Thank you. God, you see every single hand. And you're the healer. And we trust that you're up to something. And God, in Hebrews 11, you showed up immediately for some. And for others, they had to hold on a little bit longer because you were up to something. Father, I pray that you would give everybody who raised their hand peace that surpasses all understanding. A reminder that you are sovereign and you are supreme over it all. A a, a contentedness in our souls even while we go through it because God, you've done it before, you've delivered, you will deliver again, and you're going to continue to. So Father, I just pray a swelling up of their faith right now, and I pray that you move in miraculous, mighty ways that only you, God, can do. In Jesus' name. And one more question with every head bowed, every eye closed. If, If you're in this place and you're not close to God or you haven't given God your everything, well then, I want to implore you to do that today. Here's one more scripture, John 20, 29. Jesus said to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And when I saw that chosen clip, I thought about how little James was going to be one of the few who... I didn't see him do something for me, but I believe he can do it for anyone. And that's called faith. And today, I just want to ask you, have you put your faith and trust in God that he's good, he's Lord, and you want to give him your life? If you're in this place right now and you say, Pastor, I need to trust him because I haven't before and I need to go all in today. If that's you, would you just quickly throw your hand in the air, put it right back down. I'm not going to call you forward or embarrass you. I saw you. Thank you. Yes. Saw a few hands. Come on, church. Let's pray along with them. And if you raise your hand, believe everything as you repeat after me. Let's say it together. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm so sorry for the sins I've committed. I've made mistakes. And I ask you to forgive me today. I want to come home to you. I believe you, Jesus, are the Lord, the Son of the Most High God. And when you died on that cross, you died to give me freedom too. So thank you for forgiveness. I receive it, and I start this fresh start all over with you. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said, amen and amen.